She's a powerhouse vocalist, dancing queen, sunglasses connoisseur, and overall freaking talented musician. She's the lead singer for the synth wave band, Doom Flamingo, and not to mention played with numerous other bands in and around the Charleston area because she's that high in demand, people. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ms. Kanika Moore. Round of applause. Thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me. This will be fun. Yeah. So yeah. let's start way, way back. Gorgeous baby Kanika. What is your <laughs> earliest memory of music? Um, the first time one I remember is uh, my parents were inside of the kitchen and they were uh, cooking and they were singing to each other. I don't remember what they were singing, but it had like a little bop to it. And um, I remember I was like on the floor and they just kept passing by in the kitchen and they were like, you know, lovingly singing and dancing together. That's the first time I like the first memory that I have of like hearing music from like my parents and whatever they were playing. They were playing uh, some vinyl track or something like that. And I, I remember that other than that, like I grew up in church. So I've been, I've been surrounded by music my entire life. Yeah. So then it's a very positive memory yeah. because it's got all this love attached to it and yeah. all these good, good feelings. So uh, you said you started singing in the church. How old were you when you started singing in the church? Uh, I think my mom put me on the choir. She tried to talk me into it a couple of times. And I think it wasn't until I was like six or seven. Mm -hmm. uh, she put me in this little itchy floral crinoline dress that just it itched the, the shit out of my shoulders yeah. and, and my legs. And I remember um, I had to sing um, uh, shirt. Shirley, Shirley Caesar. Um, Lord, I give you all the glory for what you done for me. Yeah, I had to learn all those words. And every time I was singing, I was getting teary-eyed. My mom was like, what's wrong with you? And she thought I was catching the Holy Ghost, but it was the, the dress <laughs> was, was, I was, it was itching me so much mm -hmm. that, I was, that I was mad and I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> Just channeling. Yeah, I mean, I was, it was like, it was like, it just, she thought I was like really feeling it. I was like, I just want to get out of this dress. And I remember my grand, my great grandfather's house is right next to the church because my great grandfather was a pastor. This is in Charleston. So as soon as I finished singing the song, I asked her if I could go to the bathroom and I left out of the church and I went to my granddaddy's house and I took that dress off and I waited for church to be over. And she was like, where'd you go? I was like, I don't like this dress. <laughs> so she, okay. did she ever make you wear it again? No, no, she didn't make me wear okay. it again. Okay, good. Did you ever have to wear those really dumb ruffle socks? The yeah, socks the I kind of like the ruffle socks. <laughs> I mean, I would tear them up because I was sort of a tomboy. Me and my sister, would, like, that was my great-grandfather's house, like, right next to the church. So we would just run outside. We'd throw rocks. We busted a couple of windows a couple of times. We got in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah, so I would tear up my little, my little fold-over socks. Okay. But I like them. Well, they are fun and festive, but those were the things that always would itch me were the little ruffles on those socks whenever I have to wear them. Did you fold it over? <laughs> I can't even remember now. I'm like, I'm such a dumbass. I probably wore them the wrong way. Yeah, if you pull them all the way up, then yeah, the, that's that little itchy part. That's the part of the dress that used to get me because it had like a little lace up there and you couldn't mm -hmm. fold it over. But the socks, you fold it over, then it doesn't itch anymore. Uh, 
See, that's probably my fault, but you know. well, I mean, if, if I had known you then, then I would have warned you to fold the socks. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they ever come back in fashion, which I mean, they probably will. I'll know better <laughs> this time. But I mean, if you see me wearing roughly socks, then I'll definitely. I mean, they're sort of kind of back, like the 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 thigh highs with the top part. That's like the the lacy part is the is the sock. Like I've seen, you know. Then there's the schoolgirl socks. Mm-hmm got lace at the top they're still they're still flowing yeah I think that's like the like the cot is it like cotton because I feel like the old school like you know 80s 90s it was like straight up polyester yeah I was so itchy but um sorry I've taken us off on a tangent but (laughs) (laughs) so you started singing in the church so that has to define how you see your relationship with music because everybody has this different relationship with music and how it defines their lives, which is kind of the whole premise of this podcast to begin with. And so how would you define your personal relationship with music? Um, it's, I know it's a tough question. I feel, I feel the relationship that I have with music is stronger than just about any other relationship I have because like throughout my life, that first memory of my parents dancing inside the kitchen while they were cooking um, and being in church, my family was there. So it wasn't just like something that was separate from, you know, any other intimate part of my life. Like it was all combined. My my great-grandfather was a pastor of the church. My aunt was at the church. My uncles, all of them, like the family, whenever we had family reunions, it was literally our, our the choir was our family. Yeah. Like I was always around that. And I didn't know until like, until I was in my twenties that like music was something that I really wanted to do because I was so connected to it, whether I could help it or not. Like that's, that's all I knew. My, my, um, my cousins would go to school, they would get older and they would come back and they would teach the choir more. Like they would, and my mom was always there. Like she was on the youth choir. She was on the, the big choir. She was like, she was helping with money. She was like doing all these parts. So whenever she would go, she would put us in the car and she would make us go. We didn't get to celebrate Halloween. Like mm. sometimes we get some candy, but like we were always there. We were always around music. And then uh, when I was with my dad, because they, they, uh, they separated when I was young. Mm. But when I was with my dad, he would take me to festivals all the time. And that's when I got to hear a whole lot of jazz music. He went to take me to see like yellow jackets, like jam bands. Yeah. Um, he was always playing Prince and Shaka Khan. And he had a lot of vinyl. He played a lot of music in the house. Like my entire life, my relationship with it is, is the same as my mother. Like it, I, like I wake up in the morning and the first sounds that you probably hear from me are like singing. I'm singing all the time. Like it's a very close relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's certainly integrated in your upbringing and just who you are as a person. And yeah. I know we keep going back to church is like this reoccurring theme, but do you still sing in a church or in a church setting? Not really. Um, I, I uh, was living in Columbia for about six, seven years. And when I was there, I was working with Seacoast for a while and um just like a couple of things here and there. But once I started playing music, it was more like, um, there's a place called Speakeasy, The White Mule, mm-hmm. like all those places in Columbia, I started there. And and then from then on, I was, that's when I started bopping around with other musicians. And 
you know, I didn't really have a lot of musicians that referred me to churches. Like, you know, the, the churches that I was used to, like Pentecostal Baptists, all that, like they weren't paying vocalists Mm-hmm. to to sing unless there was like a praise team of like five people like that was like later on but like back in the day they didn't really pay so like it just really didn't cross my mind other than you know being a part of my family's church and like going through there every once in a while and singing with them but no I, I I like it um just now it seems like the churches that I like to work with their their music seems a bit repetitive mm-hmm. um and that's not that's not all styles of, of christian music it's just like i you know i like the variety yeah i was exposed to so many different styles of music that i had to have all of it all the time and it's the reason why i work with so many different musicians because i like to try everything i want to sing some led zeppelin i want to write my own music i want to play some 80 synth wave i want to play some r&b i want to play some acoustic soul i want to do everything mm-hmm. I feel connected to every every bit of it yeah and I'm so glad you said that because you know as I started doing my research my online stalking of you and I've and I've already I've seen you so many times and you play in so many different bands all over I mean in Charleston but also like you said in Columbia so you definitely have gotten you know, your experience with all these other different genres. And so because of that, I do want to talk a little bit about your stage presence because if anyone's seen you live, you kill it. You own the stage. You have so much confidence. And as I was doing my research, I found that you were a model and an actress. (laughs) And I have my digging. Huh? You went digging. So, um, this will, so I have here on my list, we have modeling. I have it as early as 2012. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You can see I went way deep in your Instagram feed, (laughs) but then also like color purple songs for a new world, all of this stuff. And so I was like, this makes so much sense on you know, cause musicians, singers, they are always trying to develop their stage presence and that craft. Um, because it's kind of two things. You're always developing your writing, your music itself, but then while you're on stage, that's kind of a whole nother lane to develop. And so because of all of that experience, is there ever a time that you get nervous? Like when was the last time you were truly nervous about being on stage or singing or performing? You mean nervous, like uncertain or nervous, like anxious, like ready or like um, maybe uh, Maybe uncertain because I feel like anxious is still okay because it's like you're ready to get out on stage and be there. Um, um, I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I get nervous um, when I play. I'm trying to find like right when I when I play like. All right, I'm just gonna say it. When I play with like when I perform for majority black crowd. Okay, there's a there's a thing about the throwback R and B songs about the classics. There's a way that you're supposed to present those songs 
in in the the viewer's eye. They want to hear that song the way they played on the record. Mm-hmm. They like they want you to hit all those notes. They want you to do them just like that. All the ad lib. They want it com- completely from beginning to end. They want to hear that. You can play around with it, but you better do everything that was in that in that song that they remember. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, Shaka Khan's "Sweet Thing" mm-hmm. when she when she does that modulation. If you don't do that part. Like they're like, mm, 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 like yeah. they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we're disengaging right now. So whenever mm-hmm. I perform for like majority black crowd, it makes me nervous because I like to flow around and in between trying to remind myself of like where where it is and, and how I can flow around it. Like it, I don't know. And and to to gauge them, like when when people are like when they go out, they go out with their family, like everybody's different, but when I go, I like, I see them, they sit in their group. Like rarely do people stray out and float around. They're not like walking around and talking to people. They're sitting down and they're watching you. Mm. And at the end of the song, you get some claps or you get like, mm-hmm, girl, sing that. Like you'll, <laughs> you'll hear them right at the end, give you the approval. It seems like it's, um, and I mean, I've talked to other singers about this before. <laughs> that's who I get mostly nervous around like mm-hmm. because I know that their they, their expectancy level is not where I usually have mine like mine I am okay with my performance when I feel I give a new interpretation to that song like if I explain what that song means to me and to find that balance in between what they're expecting and what I'm expecting when I like that gap when I'm on stage I'm a nervous wreck yeah I it will really <laughs> Like, and, and that's about the only time other than mm-hmm. that, honestly, the bigger the stage, the more confident I am there. Cause I like, I have all this room to run around. It reminds me of theater. Like this is a, this is like, this is a whole performance I'm getting ready to put on from the moment I step on the stage to the moment I leave off of there. Um, it's, it's an entire show, a smaller stage. is just like more intensity in a small level. But like when that stage is large, just the potential for it, like just, my brain just goes all over the place. Yeah, well, and so there's a particular performance. Unfortunately, I wasn't there, but I've, you know, taken a little bit of a poll of a lot of my friends that have been to a lot of your shows and everyone has talked about the Woodlands show in 2019 when you changed outfits every single song and you were larger than life kind of to your point because that's a larger stage than some of the other local venues in town and that one in particular has stuck out to a lot of individuals that I've talked to where it was like very grand performance when when we first started the project for Doom Flamingo it was such a different sound from everything else that I had ever done and it gave me that rocker vibe. And I was like, how can I, like the expectancy level that I had for Doom Flamingo, was like, I knew this was gonna be a really big project and it was just gonna take off. And I was like, now it's time to change something. So I feel like this is where most of the things that I was doing, and then there was an opportunity to take a step up. So I felt like I had to change something and I love clothes. So mm-hmm. it's just like, um, we're doing crinoline, we're doing big boots with spikes. And, and just ponytail, 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 heels, big jacket, wings, whatever they can give me. Like <laughs> I, I, wanted, I wanted to put all of that into one idea and make it make sense. So like 80s vibe is very like 
poppy colors and mm-hmm. and then there's a little bit of dark vibe in there like there, there's just so much potential with that you know with that decade that I just like just having fun with it and and making it my own yeah like, and it moves into a modern thing well and you were just talking about how you were ready to kind of go to the next level and that doom was kind of that avenue for that and so yeah. that has to take a level of pushing yourself being ready for a new opportunity which can also be scary so how was it for you transitioning into this new opportunity and kind of like getting yourself like amped up and because sometimes with new opportunities there can be fear and fear can take over so was were you ever in a position of being fearful with this new opportunity no okay yes my theater my theater brain was just like just itching to get unleashed I couldn't really do I couldn't work with theater anymore because it's it's so time consuming and I was working with with so many musicians if I were to decide to do that you know rehearsal times if you've ever worked in theater it takes up like the week, the two weeks before, you're there every single day. Like even if you're only reading like ten lines, you got to be there the entire time. Everyone's in. The, you got to be dressed up. And honestly, like the like adding all those extra things in there, like more clothes and like spending more time writing, all of that stopped me from being nervous because it was so much for me to do, mm-hmm. and I spent so much time with it that it like it just rotated. Like now I'm on stage and I'm, I'm wearing this, and I felt like every time I left off stage and changed my clothes, it was an opportunity for me to regroup and bring out a whole new person with those clothes. Like this is now this is the darker KK or or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I, I was never you know af- afraid of it. I just kept myself. It's music, like. Yeah. It's the one thing I'm very confident in. Well, and it definitely shows. (laughs) So uh, we talked about Doom Flamingo. So we have to talk about the trailer that was released on February 1st for Power Hour 2. Is what can you tell us, if anything, about that trailer? What's to come for Doom Flamingo? Um, What is next up for that group? Um. So for for that really the the one that's coming out it's uh what can I tell you about it um, <laughs> Ross is hilarious he is he adapted to this whole new character that fits him well it was very entertaining we combined some other things with it but it does have sort of a storyline to it um, most of our power hours before are very random. Like you see one image and then it's like smooth drinking beer. And then it takes you to a completely different scene. It was just very like, just just changed a lot. A Give lot, of, a lot ways, of yeah. A lot of, yeah. Um, this one, uh, it, I feel like it has like more of a storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, not feel like it, it does. It has more of a storyline. Um, there's some more guest appearances. Um, I don't know if I can tell you anything okay. else. That's okay. I'm, I'm afraid of the dark and we were in the dark most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that is my, like, I still check underneath my bed. So that's completely fine. I totally get that. Well, I mean, I work with five boys. Like they're, yeah. they're constantly scaring me. Like when we were, when we were filming this, like there were times where I'm like getting myself ready 
and then somebody shows up with a, with a, a skeleton mask on or something and I'm just not expecting it. Um, so this one was, was kind of taxing. I, was, I had a bit of an attitude when we were filming this, when I got out there, because I knew they were going to come after me. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to play with a samurai sword. Okay. Interesting. Uh, which uh, we just posted a video of that, uh, me playing around with the samurai sword again. You guys are probably going to see more of that. Oh yeah, on Instagram. That was released yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I, so for those that aren't familiar with Doom, Flamingo, so it's yourself and four, five other men, five other men. How is it? And I know you probably get this question a lot as the only female and majority male band, how is dealing with that dynamic? Or is it the fact that you've been friends with these gentlemen for so long that it just syncs perfectly together? It's both. I'm still like, uh, I mean, obviously it's been a couple of years, so I know Ryan Stasek, you know, more now and his family, uh, but I've, I've played music with those guys for a long time. I've known TK for a long time. I've known Mike, I've known Stu, um, and, and Ross, um, we may have like really, really got to know each other like the last three, four years is probably our, my newest relationship other than Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun. Like we all, they all know each other. So when we're together, it's, it's like, I don't know. I'm very to myself, kind of, I'm like an introvert. I'm an introverted extrovert. I power up on stage. And then for some reason, my brain is like, I don't need to talk to anybody else. And then I run away. Yeah. Um, so I, I like, it's, it's not difficult being around them because they do uh, give me my space or I'll, I'll just start like yelling at people. I'm the only girl there. So like, they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll, they're going to fall in line with someone starting when you start yelling at them. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So it's fun. You know, honestly, going on tour with them and traveling with them is a lot of fun. Like they stay up in the latest hours and like just hearing what's going on, like while I'm trying to sleep, it, uh, it kind of soothes me. I, I like that this band enjoys each other so much on stage and off stage. Like it's, it's really cool to play music with them. They're, they're a lot of fun. And when they're annoying, they're still fun. And we've known each other for so long. It's, it's just another family for me. Mm-hmm. So besides Doom Flamenco, you are also in another new band. And you guys are playing tomorrow night at Poor House. So that's LB Side Pocket. Yeah. And so as I was digging into this, so this is an R&B, neo, soul, and jazz band. And so what can you tell us about this band? How did this come about? So uh, Lee Barber has been doing a series this month and he's been pulling on musicians based on you know what he wants to do and he called me for two specific shows um, up front um, so I'm playing uh, tomorrow and next week he likes to take uh, I mean music there's so much music in Charleston there's mm-hmm. so many musicians and you are likely to hear a song being played by a completely different band, you know, hear the same song. Some of the classics, like, because there's so much music here, some people venture out and they do new things and 
and some people just find new ways to to give covers or to you know share a cover with you and Lee's you know dug in there and, and found some songs that are not very familiar but very catchy and brought his own version brought his own interpretation of it mm-hmm. uh, with JT Rollison who I've played music with for years um yeah it's I mean it's a lot of that music is new to me so I had to do a lot of work I actually just left uh rehearsal with them today so what's the I guess the one song if you're if you're able to tell us was there one particular song that you had to learn that you that was a bit of a challenge for you yeah <laughs> there okay I won't it's yeah I'll tell you it's it's a uh, heart don't stand a chance by Anderson Pot. it's um he's rapping through it and like I know I wrote that rap for F-16, but like that was on a whim. I didn't even know I was gonna write that. And then I just asked the guys, I was like, can I write a rap for this? He was like, oh yeah, you can. Um, I'm, I'm not a rapper, but you know, learning it, just the, the breathing that they do in between phrases is mm-hmm. pretty tricky. Um, and then to incorporate singing in it and Anderson Park does that, like he's rapping one moment and he's playing the drums and then you know, he crosses over from rapping and then starts singing and bringing keys to what is just hip hop. Well, I don't know. He just, he, well, it's, it's, it's a little tricky. And, and I love that song and I listen to that song all the time, but, you know, to listen to it on the radio and sing it in the car and learn that song and perform it and convince people that you have, like, you can tell this story because it relates to you. That's a completely different story. So I, I mean, I can, I can relate to the words. Um, it just, it was, it was a little tricky for me. So does, does this mean that you might, uh, did you learn the drums at all for this song? No. He's <laughs> <laughs> there. He got all of them. He's got it covered. <laughs> That'll be the next thing is that you'll, you'll uh, conquer the drums. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, like if I pick up, if I picked up an instrument, it would, probably be the bass I've heard from several musicians every time I sing they're like you should play the bass like pick up on it you you would pick up on it pretty easy I got a bass here like what hold on where is it oh I see over in the corner oh that's gorgeous yeah you should totally learn the bass yeah I was working on it so have you ever thought about starting your own band um I am in the process of pulling all that together as we speak. Okay. Um, it's gonna be original music. Um, it's gonna be familiar musicians. I can't tell you any of it yet, but okay. uh, when, when Doom Flamingo goes back on tour, there will be another, there'll be another band that, that I'll be announcing. Uh, as soon as as soon as we pick up on our festivals, that's when I anticipate that happening. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing I can say about that is that band's playing at festivals. Okay, hell yeah! Can you tell us what what's the genre or? Nope. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> that's all we get. I'm totally I'm totally down with that. I'm, that's honestly, when when I thought about like when I started touring with with uh, Doom Flamingo. I didn't know about fest- Festy Life. Like, I didn't know anything about that. When we went to Halloween and we went to Electric Forest, I got my mind blown. When we went to um, 
Broad River Festival. That was the first one that we played. It was a smaller festival, but like familiar faces and so many kids and the one wheels and like, it just opened this whole new music world that I didn't even know about. And from that moment on, from when I went on Jam Cruise, I was just like, what do I need to do to make sure that I can do this? And I also noticed there's not a lot of black females you know, playing the festivals or women in general. I was like, uh, it's time for, you know, we need some, we need some more titties out here. Yes, like, we do. Like women have, we've got, we got a lot of shit to say and, and I damn sure have like some, some other things that I could get done in that scene. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that kicking off. I'm, I'm going to be a busy bee. Hell yeah. When it back up. I'm being patient, but when it's time to go. It's then it's on. Yeah. So you've mentioned, um, cause this has always been something I feel like I've touched on. It's just um, female musicians in general, um, particularly in the local Charleston scene, Southeastern scene. Um, what is it like being a female singer in Charleston? Have you, cause um, I'm trying to choose my words wisely here um, to be delicate about it, but it's, there's some challenges, I think being a female musician, particularly in this city um so are there any challenges that you've experienced that you would share um i think with with each person the amount of challenges that you have is based on how much attention you give to it Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that i could like write down on a piece of paper and gripe about and like keeping my keeping my thoughts and and that kind of gets in my way on on the side of enjoying the music like here's all these thoughts after the show's over like what did I do this right what about this and then I I never told myself that I was in competition with anyone that I'm that who's in this area I'm not in competition with anyone because like I said, music is, is a really um, embedded part. Like it's, it's in me. Like there is, there's no competition because it's just my relationship with music. And if people hear it and they love it, that's great. But my relationship with music is not going to break. Like, so I don't know. Like there's, I mean, if I had to talk about like stuff that's difficult, I can't think of anything. Like I find a way to make sure I get what I want as far as like communication, as far as royalties or whatever it is that I expect when I show up to a gig if you're communicating with your team there is no there's no hard troubles and and there are sometimes where like what like I sometimes feel a little emotional and I feel like maybe I might be asking too much and I'm a little hesitant to ask maybe something like that like I don't know if if this is the right thing to ask but again if you're communicating with your team like there, there is no what ifs, like mm-hmm. they'll, they'll tell you what it is and then you just come up with a compromise. I, I felt like when I was living in Colombia, I was underrated and there was a lot of, like, there's a lot of pushback, but I wouldn't say because I was a woman, mm-hmm. just in general, like just the music scene there is very tight. Like there's, there's not, Uh, a ton of venues that you could play at. So everyone seemed to me to be very territorial. 
it, like, and, and it didn't seem like a woman or a guy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's just the naive side of me seeing everything in its, in its best color. Mm-hmm. And then, and then just moving on with that. Um, I mean, I got complaints, but yeah. they, but they get dealt with, like, I'm talking to them about it. Like, any, any group that I work with, I try to make sure that I communicate that. I mean, and that's something that I had to learn. So you say like challenges as a woman, I, I feel like internally, I just had to like talk to myself, like vocalize it. Like, what is it that you want? Are you getting that? Are you happy with that? How would it change? Who can you talk to to change it? What do they say? Like write down your thoughts, how you feel about it. I feel like it takes me a while to figure out how I feel about something. Like in the moment it happens and I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. And then like the next day I'm like, oh yeah, I know how I feel about this. It's like, <laughs> but that's when the communication comes out. Like it, mm-hmm. it's easy to figure out how I feel about it, but it also kind of guards me from going off in a, you know, in a moment. Yeah. Which is definitely important as well. So that's good to kind of have that. I guess mar- I always say like, I need to marinate on something. Like I need to sit in it. And it kind of sounds like you'd be the same way where you just need to sit in something, process it, and then you're able to assess right. it and right. attack it the next day for in the future. I think for any musician in general, I, I don't know that I would say that it's because it's a singer. Like mm-hmm. I, I would imagine if I was a drummer, I would be singing it. I would be saying something completely different, um, but I'm not like I'm. I'm a singer and I'm a writer and, and I feel like when I don't have enough room available to start on another project, I just invested in something else. Like mm-hmm. if, if something's not going my way in, in one area, like if I give it time and I step away from it, it starts to look a little bit better to me or, or like it makes sense. I'm like, oh, that's why that didn't work. And I just go back over there when it's, I'm like, I'm path of least resistance kind of girl. Yeah. Or if, I, huh? sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like if, if I need to step back from something and, and take a minute, then I'm just gonna do something else until I figure out how to fix that. And quarantine is definitely giving me a chance <laughs> to do all of that. So, well, how has it been um, during quarantine? Have you felt yourself being able to? get those create like have you been able to get back to creativity or have you been more creative or have you been able to allow yourself some space to take a break no breaks no i breaks. mean a, a break like 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 getting my clothes together and rushing out of the door and and arriving right on time for my shows maybe a break from that but like like I, like I said, music is really like, it's just a part of when I wake up in the morning before I go to sleep, I'm humming and singing all the time. Like, uh, and, and it just does not stop. So when I got inside of the house, there's just different emotions that come out when you're trapped inside of the house and you can't go perform in front of people. Mm-hmm. I kind of pull off of the energy of them, but I also have like stories to tell within myself. So like when I'm sitting trapped in the house and I'm tired of being trapped in the house, I write a song about being tired of being trapped in the house (laughs) and when I write a song like when I'm when I miss being around people I write songs about missing people and when politics are getting to my damn nerves I write songs about stupid politics and then you know there's always like you know one thing I got to do spend more time with my family and 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 work on original music when you're like 
we're jumping in an RV and we're going back and forth, it's it's really hard to find that time to, to sit down and start working on new music. I've had a lot of time to do that. And I've learned how to use software that I couldn't use before. GarageBand and Logic and all that okay. stuff. I just was not good with it before. And now this forced me to because when somebody wants some music for you, if you can if you can produce that, if you can fix that for them in the house without leaving, then why not? So I learned how to do all that, which gave me a better opportunity to write because now I can have some music that I can listen to and I can put it down vocally instead of like trapping everything inside of my phone. And you know how it goes. You go on your phone for like one thing and all of a sudden you're on Instagram. Or something else. And yeah. Something else. So just getting away from the phone, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Like, Is there one platform that you've now become more versed in that you could not live without now? Logic. Logic. Okay. So tell me what, what is logic? So, um, I mean, what is logic? It's, it's, um, it, it's a better version of garage band. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you're, you pull files from, you know, things that people have sent you and you can, you know, put your vocals on there with effects and just, having one place to put all those files as opposed to what I used to do before. All I would do is just like record it, record it on my phone. And then I would have to go to the studio. So that kind of eliminates that in the beginning process of like writing a song and having it down to be able to listen to it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's easier to do it now than it was before. Like I would have to hear it in my head and then get to the studio and, you know, have somebody else there with me to work on it, but now I can pretty much work on it myself. So I, I get stuff done faster. Yeah. Okay. I get so, ideas out to my groups faster. So if I'm still using GarageBand, am I like out of the loop? Am I an old person? You're not an old person. <laughs> You're just not going to be able to do very much with GarageBand. Like, okay. It's just, I don't know. It's a step up. Okay. When I when I was trying to use it, I had a couple of musicians talk a little trash to me. I was like, "Ew, why are you using Garage?" It's like a beginner stage, I guess. Logic is more detailed than like the files that it holds, or something like that, or like confidentiality. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just got fussed at, it and I was just like, "It's telling me Logic is better," and I do feel like I can explore on that one better. More. So, okay. Yeah. Well, now I feel I feel good. Thank you for sharing that because now I'm gonna. I'm going to learn logic and not be at, you know, out of the loop with this girl using garage band for everything. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with garage band. Okay. Thank you. I like it. <laughs> it depends on what you try to do. Okay. Yeah. I just use it a lot for podcast stuff. So it works in that way, but you know, if you can always take your game up to the next level, then I'm always in favor of doing that. So I'm going to definitely look into logic. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about how you get up every day and you're always singing. There's always music going on. And so I always end the podcast with this question of what is your entrance song? And so do you, do, do you know what an entrance song is? Entrance song. No, what's that? So it's like, um, it's like your walkout song. If you play baseball or if it's your, Monday morning and you need your hype song. That's the song you're going to play. And so it's just a song that gets you amped up that kind of helps narrate whatever you have to go into. 
And so I always ask everyone, I'm like, so if you could pick an entrance song, maybe it could be for life or it could be for the week, what, whatever makes sense to you on a timeline. Um, what would you pick? Which song would you pick? Just one song? Well, it could be maybe just this week instead of, because originally like in life, it was like, all right, if you're going into a party, I was always like, I had a particular R. Kelly song that I always would have playing in my head when I walk into parties. <laughs> what? What song? <laughs> so bad. It was <laughs> remixed to feeling on your booty. <laughs> okay. And so I had to, uh, obviously I had to change that. Um, and so now I'm just kind of like, fine. Then my entrance song for this week, every time I walk into the office, I'm like, I'm going to need Mariah Carey's make it happen. Just that's been in my head this entire past two weeks. So that's kind of like my entrance song at the moment. So, you know, with everything coming up and all the new stuff that you have going on, is there like a hype song that you're like, yes, this is what's going to be playing. And this is what's going to get me going. Um, there's a, okay. So there's an original song that we wrote with June Flamingo, but we haven't released it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, that one pumps me up. Okay. Um, there's there's like a there's a whole background story to it. Um, I'll tell you the name of it. Okay. Uh, it's it's called uh, Purifier. There's a like it's it's not an anthem song and like and I don't really have an anthem song because I play with so many different bands. I cover so much music. I have so many lyrics trapped inside of this thing. Like I am always thinking about my next gig. What mm -hmm. do I have to listen to? We have to get ready for it. Even if we're bringing our own interpretation of the song, I still listen to what the original quality of it was first so I can understand where they were coming from. And then I tell the story the way that I want to. So like when I'm walking out of the door, I am constantly listening to songs on repeat, mm. like trying to understand where that comes from. But like, if I'm getting ready to go out and have some fun, probably Rihanna. Rihanna is my... Oh. That's my go-to. <laughs> is there a particular Rihanna song? Um, I mean, they're it, all good. You better have my money. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> well, that's um, a perfect one. Low down. <laughs> Wait, which one? Uh, the Dirty Lowdown. Oh, yeah. I, I like that one. Don't. You just, you can't go wrong with Rihanna. I was, um, oh my God. I was actually listening to do you talk that talk today mm -hmm. from her rated R album. Oh, you just, she's the best. I'm like, we're all anxiously waiting for one of, for her new album to come out. And we're like, where, when's it going to happen? I mean, I can understand what that pressure feels like, not in a smaller sense, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm here for whatever it is that she's trying to do. I'm, I'm still really chewing on the music that she made before. So mm -hmm. I'm good. Still got a little flavor for me. Okay. It's like some beef jerky or something. It's, it's, still, <laughs> it's still good. Yeah. Still nourishing. Yeah. Yeah. So we have come to the end of this conversation. And so most importantly, well, let's link up. How can people follow you, support all the bands that you're in, can you do a quick rundown of how can people find everybody online? There are three in particular that I want to talk about. There's Doom Flamingo. You can check our website. That's doomflamingo.com. We are on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. I believe we're on Twitter. I don't know. I don't know. Hank Wharton 
keeps us keeps us pretty um, current on the social media side. So um, you can find us anywhere. We've got music on Spotify. We're um, going to be announcing pretty soon the release of uh, Flamingo EP. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited about that because it's the party side. It's the dance vibes. Doom is, I feel like, that's music that, that gives you like an emotion that you wouldn't listen to like riding in a car unless you can really try to run somebody over. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> or about to like, yeah, you're about to do some damage somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> 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 road rage or something like that yes um, so do flamingos everywhere you can find them uh motown throwdown mm-hmm. um you can find us on social media or on facebook and instagram um that is a band with uh mike quinn Corey stevens we play at the poorhouse that's uh Stuart white and uh dave Grimm. yeah uh, we used to play the farmer's market every Sunday from one to four, and we changed that. We do have a show coming up at the Charleston Music Hall. That's on social media. We've posted all of that. Um, that's our next show. It's, it's at the Charleston Music Hall. Um, we are going to return back to Poor House, but that hasn't been announced yet when. Um, and there's Lady in the Brass, and that is every single Wednesday at Commodore. So right now, because Commodore is like a smaller venue and like I have been fortunate enough to have a big fan base, I do not post it only because it is a smaller venue and it is sort of a pop-up venue where people are coming in. They, they already know about this place, some familiars and then some new people out of town. They're like, where is this little small point spot that we can go to and listen to some live music? And on Wednesday, it's usually very groovy. Um, I try not to pump it up too much. Um, I've had you know older couples go sit in the corner with their mask on and enjoy this music, and we try to keep the numbers down on Wednesday. Um, but I play there every Wednesday uh, with Paul Quattlebaum, mm. and um, it's called Lady in the Brass. And I post that on Instagram and my Facebook page. And that's about it. That one's a, a local cover band. We do, we, we play around with some different sounds there. I love that place because I love, I love small venues and I love, it's one of the places that I like to explore vocally with my clothes. Like if I ever wanted to do something with Doom, you would probably see it at Commodore first because I'm just like, let's see what happens when I wear this. Let's see if something jumps out, my boob comes out or if it's uncomfortable <laughs> or if I can breathe in it or do these shoes hurt my feet? I break my shoes in at Commodore all the time. Okay. But that's it. Um, but the, the sound there with that particular band with Sean Bing, my background vocalist, they kill. Like mm-hmm. I, I would say out of all of the bands that I work with, the background vocals on Lady in the Brass, the tightest. Um, it's just, it's a different sound. All those bands give something completely different. But those are the, those are my three major projects right now. Doom Flamingo, Motown Throwdown, and, and Lady in the Brass. Okay. And then what is your handle for people to follow you on Instagram so that they can keep up with your stuff, Lady in the Brass? And then also too, you have this new project kind of coming up in the future. So what's your Instagram handle and Facebook handle so people can follow you there? It is my name, along with my nickname, Kanika 
K.K. Moore. It's K-A-N-I-K-A, and then it's K-A-Y, K-A-Y, and then M-O-O-R-E. That's that's my Facebook and my Instagram. I've, I post for Lady in the Brass on there. Um, if there's any more I should use, you should probably tell me because I'm probably just going to stick to those two until they disappear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think those are those are those are both perfect. So yeah, everybody's on Facebook or Instagram, so that's great. So everybody can follow you, support you. And is there any other final words, parting words before we close out? Um, it's a really good idea to to follow my personal account. There's there's so many different so many different things that I work on, so many different projects, so many different musicians, so many different groups. I've got some really exciting things to announce in the future for this month alone. So like, you know, following me individually, I, I, I do have people who like a particular group, but most of them want to know everything that I'm doing, they like the variety. So like, it, it would be wise to follow my, my account just to see all of the stuff that I get into. Because it is a lot of stuff, people, because you're that high in demand. All right. Well, thank you, Miss Kanika Moore. We appreciate it. And I just can't thank you enough. This is such a treat. I'm so excited to see what's going to happen for the future of Doom and all the other really awesome projects you have coming up. So thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you.